The Lord gives us a command today in this story about the servants waiting for the return of their master when he tells us, blessed are those servants whom the master finds vigilant on his arrival. Be like servants who await their master's return. And this is one of those times when the Lord gives us a fairly clear command and then doesn't explain exactly how to go about doing it. He gives us an example of what it is like, gives us the story of of different sorts of servants. Some know the master's will, some do not, some are prepared, some are not. But he doesn't tell us exactly what it means to be vigilant. And so we can ask. We certainly know the Lord is returning someday. We don't know when that day is. So what does it mean for us to watch? And there are different lives within the church that that live out this call in different ways. We know that, for example, the Carthusian monks, who are all hermits, live out that call to watch and be vigilant by quite literally watching in prayer at almost every moment of the day. They get up at three in the morning to go into the, either their own little oratory in their, in their hermitage or with the other monks into the main church, and they sing the psalms during the night so that when the Lord finds them, he might find them actually watching. They sleep very little. So that's one way, and one admirable way, of following the Lord's command. But that's not, of course, the way most of us will live. So what does it mean for us to be vigilant? Our opening prayer today, our collect, speaks a great deal of our divine adoption and the inheritance that God has for us. That he has chosen us through baptism as his true sons and daughters. Adoptive sons and daughters, but true sons and daughters nonetheless. Adopted in Christ in such a way that the inheritance that belongs to Jesus is our inheritance as well. And that has a lot to do with what it means for us to stay vigilant. For us to stay vigilant means for us to remember who we are, to remember where we have come from, and to remember where we are going. It's a difficult thing to do, especially when the world becomes busy, when the day becomes crowded, and when we're dragged about by the crisis of the moment, whatever it might be, whether it's small or great, when there's something always right up in front of our face that needs to get done, it's easy to forget who we are. We know that even in friendships, we know that even in interpersonal relationships, how many times have we lost touch with a friend for a short period of time or for a great one simply because life happened and got in the way? How often have we drifted from people simply because we were busy getting done what needed to get done? And it can happen with God as well. But if we are always reminding ourselves who we are before God and where it is we are headed, it changes the tenor of everything. And it brings about a state of watchfulness in our soul whether or not we're getting up at three in the morning to chant psalms. And if you really want to do that, please go ahead. I probably will not be joining you. But at the very least, we should remember the Lord has looked 
at me from all eternity and decided I want this one to be a member of my family. And I want to give to this soul the same inheritance I give my own true son. And the inheritance of our Lord is what? A royal throne in the kingdom of heaven? The inheritance of his human nature is divine immortality? A place above the angels? The knowledge that he is beloved by the Father in every way? The Christian, when baptized, is made a member of the Lord Jesus. We say we're members of the body of Christ, and we don't mean that metaphorically. We mean that in absolute and total truth. That when God the Father looks at a Christian in the state of grace and hears that Christian speak, he hears the voice of his son. St. Augustine tells us that in many places. Now, when God looks at a Christian... The Father hears the voice of the Son asking for mercy, which is incredible to think about. Spend time meditating on that, that when we ask for mercy as Christians, God the Father hears the voice of Jesus calling out, forgive my sins. That's, there's something in us that says that should not be. That's almost too far. But again, the saints of the church tell us that the Lord Jesus calls out to the Father, in our name, asking for the forgiveness of sins, as though he had committed them. Of course, he had not, obviously. And that's who we are. We stand to inherit from our Father, so long as we remain faithful to him, a royal throne in heaven. Not just, not just a place in heaven that we kind of sneak in and remain on the side talking with the people we remembered in life and letting everything happen in the center of the room, as it were. But when we're called to heaven, we're called to a royal throne in heaven to reign, to rule. We're called to a place higher than the angels, a place which was not ours by nature. You know, prior to our Lord, the angels would have been above us because they're, they're much, much, much greater by nature than we are. But by grace... We sit above them because we sit with our Lord Jesus. And St. Peter will tell us in his letter that we become partakers of the divine nature. We become sharers in the divine nature if we remain close to the Lord. Remembering that in the midst of our daily lives is an excellent form of being vigilant. That as the responsibilities of a day pile up and demand our attention, one thing after another after another, if we can stop in the middle of it and say, I will do this task, I will do it as well as I can because it's my, my, my duty, but I am made for something beyond this. I will accomplish what is before me because that is what I must do. But my purpose is heaven. And my home is with God, and I am a child of God the Most High, with immortality awaiting me. By God's mercy, by his grace, because I've not deserved it, but by his grace I am what I am, an heir to divinity itself. 
It changes the tenor of our lives. It gives us a chance at really remembering the Lord more deeply. Because if we remember that this is home, how much more does that stir our heart to desire it? One of the most uh, spectacular things you can ever read are, are, are letters written by soldiers who are in a theater of war. Letters written home, journal entries. And you can, you can almost taste the longing they have simply to see their own house and their own family. Some may know that firsthand, that desire. And that same sort of desire, I would give anything simply to see home again, should be the desire of every Christian for heaven. I would give anything simply to be in the house of my Father again. I would give anything simply to enter the temple of the Lord in heaven. I would give anything to go home. That should be the thought of a Christian heart that is vigilant and watching for the moment when that becomes possible. Practically speaking, we nourish that by praying every day, by taking time in the morning and in the evening, simply to spend time silent before God whether that's in the presence of a tabernacle or not. We do that by making visits to the church, and we remember that even if all we can spare is, is 90 seconds on the way somewhere to spend with our Lord in the tabernacle, those 90 seconds are still not nothing. They count. Please, God, we spend more and more time each day speaking to our Lord and in his presence. Because it's not just a matter of physically watching, but having our soul ready for the moment when we go home, having our soul ready to be joyful in that moment. Because it will come, thanks be to God. And Jesus tells us in this gospel, perhaps the most consoling thought of all, do not be afraid any longer, little flock, he says. For your Father is pleased to give you the kingdom. And even as we desire to go home, so God the Father desires to bring home our soul and every soul. He will do everything he can to provide us the help we need. To Jesus Christ be glory in the church, now and forever. Amen.